are here live, take two. I'll tell you about that joke in a minute on the Fancy Firebox podcast brought to you by Fox Sports the Gambler, PhillyInfluence.com, and Heat Ratio Sports. I'm your host, Tony Cotillo, joined by a special guest tonight. She is the co-host of the Ball Blast podcast, exclusively on the Ross Tucker Podcast Network and Apple Podcasts. She is an author on BallBlastFootball.com. She is Michelle Magic. How are you, Michelle? Take two. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. Good to see your face again and talk to you. Thanks for having me on. Uh, for, for those of you who are listening right now, we just actually did this. And for the first time in my five-year career, I something happened and the recording was lost. So we had a great organic conversation. And I have tremendous confidence that we're going to be able to do it again. So we're going to break down the AFC North. And the reason why, obviously, Michelle, you're from Pittsburgh, and my co-host, Mr. John Coker, is from Pittsburgh as well. And we're going to start right with the Pittsburgh Steelers because we brought this up before. We're bringing it up again, 38-year-old Ben Roethlisberger. And this is a guy who's thrown for 5,000 yards multiple times his career. He goes from a team of Antonio Brown and Juju Smith-Schuster to Juju Smith-Schuster and a bunch of unknowns uh we're going to get into that in a minute but can we expect ben roethlisberger to be that fantasy relevant quarterback once again you know i don't think he's going to be the quarterback three as we saw when he was last healthy in 2018 that was a crazy year for him even for ben roethlisberger that was just his career year so i think without antonio brown you know especially we're going to see him go back to what he was before in his career which was still a really decent fantasy quarterback the few years before 2018 he was still around the quarterback eight to ten you know fantasy points per game he was still very usable i think if you're looking at those guys that not they're not mobile so maybe you, you can't grab a mo mobile quarterback later on they're all taken before you draft i think big ben's a, a good second option there he still has a lot of options to pass to he still has juju who's his man and i think juju comes back to life next year deontay johnson he hasn't really got to play with him yet but i keep saying deontay johnson is ab 2.0 and i believe it he looks just like young ab out there and i love him james washington still a really good deep threat they finally started using him in that way his rookie season they were trying to use him in very odd ways he's that deep threat that we should be using uh, we have our second round rookie, uh, Chase Claypool. He's a monster. And I hope Ben can figure out a way to use him quickly because uh, he reminds me of DK almost with his body. Yeah. And I hope he can perform just as well. And then we added Eric Ebron, who's just a really good target for him in the end zone. Yeah, Eric Ebron. I'm glad you mentioned that because I completely forgot about that. And and I, I'm not going to say I'm extremely high on him, but I know the way Ben likes to to look at the red zone especially with his tight end and i think this is a huge upgrade over vance mcdonald um you know i was never a big vance mcdonald guy i think eric ebron in the blocking scheme as well he's a bigger guy he's a better blocker kind of helped james connor but you mentioned that the wide receiving core if juju can come back and i i wasn't a big juju guy last year a lot of people were like i'm all in on juju because he did show that he could play but he never was able to get off the line, you know, in my opinion, on that bump and run coverage. And when they pressed him up there, he kind of had trouble. So being in an offense without Antonio Brown and being the guy, he definitely didn't show everything that he could have been. He was injured as well. So he, you know, and he went through, I mean, come on, the, the quarterback position, you might as well brought Bobby Brister back to play for Pittsburgh last <laughs> year, right? I mean, it was a mess. So 
you know, I, I see what you're saying. I like Juju. I, I still think Juju's out. He's like maybe like maybe 20, 21, 22 for me. I don't know if you think that's too late, but he's kind of like in that range for me. Yeah, so I still have Juju. I have him in my top 10. Last year, I was super wow. proud of him. I, I think Juju bounces back, and I think he bounces back strong. Last year, like the whole year, he was really injured, like you brought up. So he had turf toe. Like, he got turf toe pretty early on in the year, and that tends to linger. And then he hurt his knee, had a concussion. It was, it, it was just a bad year for him in – one thing he struggles at is separating. And that's always been his thing, but he's good at contested catches. I think Ben's going to get him the ball and Juju's going to have to make the plays, but the backups weren't willing to take those risks. They didn't see him open, so they didn't throw to him. And I think that was the difference there. Deontay Johnson, on the other hand, succeeded still with those backup quarterbacks because he gets open. I mean, he was one of the best separators in the NFL, if not the best. I think wow. he, he did score the best in separation last year. His route running is amazing. And if you watch him play, like I brought up before, he is just a young Antonio Brown. I'm not saying his career is going to go the same way. <laughs> Like, I'm not going to call a Hall of Fame career here, but he looks very talented for how young he is. I think if Deontay Johnson can stay on the outside and Juju can stay in the slot where he really succeeds, I'm very excited for that. You know, if you go on any fantasy website, you see the name Deontay Johnson. He might as well be in, like, Showtime at the Apollo in lights. I mean, everybody is talking about this kid as being the breakout in year two. I mean, you, you mentioned Antonio Brown version 2.0, and it, it makes me think, I mean, could, could – I've seen a few sites that actually said he would have more catches and yards than Juju. I, I have a hard time believing that. I, I, I still think Juju tops him, but could you see that scenario play out? I could see a wild scenario where he has some more receptions. I don't think he'll have more yards than Juju. Uh, but he is that – prototypical like Deontay Johnson I could see just being that receiving type option where he's just like almost like a Jamison Crowder type but more talented after right. the catch that he he could just be that target monster I do still think Juju is Ben's number one guy there uh, I, I think we're gonna see a really special year with these two as long as Ben's elbow is back to what we need it to be. And that's a huge risk, of course. But it seems like he's really on pace here to start the season completely healthy. Yeah, it, I mean, it sure looks like it. It seems like he battled some off-the-field addictions and looks like he's got past them. And he is 38. And unfortunately, we've seen guys like Philip Rivers kind of digress a little bit uh, over the years. But Rivers has always right? been bad. <laughs> yeah, you know what? He's always been that guy, though. It was like, I can wait on Phil. I'll wait on old man Rivers, right? We yeah. can get him. But last year, I, I was out on Philip last year, and, and, and I just hope that Ben doesn't follow that same path because he has, he has been injured a lot. One thing I wanted to bring up with, if we're going to trust Ben in fantasy, he's always been very boomer bust. So yep. those home road splits. So that's something that we have to worry about in a league where you actually have to set your lineup every week. I don't know if you can trust him every week as your starter. And most people don't like to own two quarterbacks. So maybe he's not the way to go. Best ball, I think he's a better option. And then also, Ben hasn't played with a dominant defense in a very long time. And 2019, that defense was amazing. Like, I was so yeah, proud was. of them. So if they carry that over into 2020, 
maybe Ben doesn't have to throw as much. And you know Ben, he's still going to find his find a way to throw for 30 times in a game at least, <laughs> at the very minimum. But if he doesn't have to carry a team like he's had to over the last few years, he's been healthy because uh, our defense was just so bad. I do think that's going to hurt his fantasy stats a bit. Yeah, you're right about the defense. I mean, they they balled out. You talk about, you know, they you guys have always bred linebackers out there in in Pittsburgh. But you know, with Bud Dupree and Devin Bush, and then you have I mean, you bring in Minka Fitzpatrick to go with Joe Hayden. I mean, that that was one hell of a defense. And you're right, and it makes you think that if the defense can kind of take over games. Maybe James Conner, you know, the running attack could be a little more prevalent as well. And we look at James Conner. I mean, we look at his off-season workouts. I mean, this guy looks like Sylvester Stallone, right? <laughs> I mean, you see that his back is unbelievable. You can see that he's really been pumping some iron. And he doesn't really have anybody to steal carries from him. I'm not worried about Benny Snell. McFarland, the, the, the rookie with third or fourth round pick, I think. You know, I'm really not worried about him. Do you see James Conner being that elite running back once again? I really do. And everything with James Conner has to do with injury risk. And I totally get it. If someone wants to stay away from him because they don't believe he can stay healthy, that is fair. I mean, he really has had trouble staying on the field in his short career, not only last year, but in the two seasons before that as well. He missed three games in his second season that he was a running back six in 13 games. That's great but you still need him to stay on the field. And then his rookie season, barely getting any touches. He also, I think, uh, tore his MCL. So definitely some concern there with injuries. But if he even plays 14 games, I'm saying he's a top 10 running back pretty easily. When he's on the field, all he does is score fantasy points. He's a touchdown machine. And he gets targeted a lot for a running back. He's heavily involved in that passing game because he's been security blanket. And you got to love that for any running back you own in fantasy. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about 20 touchdowns in 23 games. I mean, he definitely is a monster. And with no threat for goal line carries like we talked about, and an offense that's shown with Le'Veon Bell the tendency to run the ball a lot. I mean, if he could stay healthy, I mean, you're, you're talking about health. I mean, Ben and James, if they could stay healthy and Juju could stay healthy, I mean, you have your triple threat right there. The price is in there with James Conner because people are so scared to take him that yep. it's not as risky anymore because he's not going until the fourth round. So I, I do think that limits the risk so much because you can draft a guy in the fourth round that could be a top six running back in the league and that would be a league winning move right there but of course the biggest issues he has to stay healthy and that's that's something i'm not a hundred percent positive i can say will happen it's really tough i mean you know when you look at it it's it's like a team of walking wounded when you talk about the pittsburgh steelers but you know mike Tomlin's always had them ready to ball as long as they can stay healthy they will be fantasy relevant but when we talk about fantasy relevance let's go right to the Baltimore Ravens and talk about Lamar Jackson because before we went on I asked you and I've asked everybody is Lamar Jackson the number two behind Patrick Mahomes but come to find out I think you have a difference of opinion with that and what is that when it comes to Lamar Jackson yeah he is my quarterback one <laughs> and I'm not looking back I'm not worried about it going into my projections I was wondering how much I would have Lamar Jackson regressing and it, like, it's a little bit, but I still think he's going to be great. And this is nothing to say anything about Patrick Mahomes. He's a stud. He's a star. If you want to take him over Lamar, that is fine with me. The reason I think Lamar Jackson is still going to be the best quarterback for fantasy next year is because 
even if his rushing stats come down, I think that's okay because I think Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown, takes that step forward. He was dealing with a Liz Frank injury his whole rookie season and was still showed a lot of signs that he could be great in this league. And then Mark Andrews was kind of banged up all year as well, was fantastic. And he only played like 40% of the snaps. So I think those two guys are players that Lamar Jackson can lean on. And then every week, you know you have that rushing ability. His rushing stats are going to just be your safe floor that you know he's never going to bust in your lineup. You know, we were talking about this earlier, but when we're watching a game with Lamar Jackson (laughs) and he can look terrible and you're like, he is doing absolutely nothing. And still at the end of that game, he scored you 18 fantasy points minimum. Like minimum, he always does it. He's just such a safe guy. And that's what I want in my lineup every week. Yeah, I mean, listen, he is that – you know, Michael Vick-esque kind of guy, right? I mean, he is the experience. And and you mentioned it. I remember watching, I think it was the Chargers, when, you know, I was playing against a guy who won the Super Bowl in our league, and he had Lamar Jackson. And I thought this was finally going to be the week that I beat him because there was like four minutes left in the fourth quarter. He had like eight points, and he exploded. And, yeah. and, that, and that's what happens when you use your God-given ability. And he's just such a freakish athlete. It's unbelievable what he can do. But – uh, you know, number one, that, and listen, that's not bold. I was on Lamar Jackson last year. This year I'm on Kyler Murray. He's, for me, he's this year's Lamar Jackson. In my opinion, a guy that you can get a little later in drafts. Because um, Lamar last year, I know in my drafts, was going maybe in like sixth or seventh round, which was actually early in some drafts because yeah. nobody really thought he was going to be that good, right? Uh, same thing as Patrick Mahomes the year before. So I, I think Kyler's that guy this year. But you mentioned running attack. And the reason why, before we get into receivers, I ask you is because Mark Ingram just was an absolute beast last year. And then they draft J.K. Dobbins drops to them. And we, and we know what happens with rookies. If they can pick up pass protection and not lay the ball on the floor, they will be on the field. And this kid is talented. Will he cut into the production of Mark Ingram? And will he be fantasy relevant in 2020? So I think he cuts more into maybe Gus Edwards. Gus Edwards had over 100 carries last year. I still think Ingram didn't have a massive workload. He was just over 200 carries. But I still think Ingram keeps that same role. And the reason I think that I love J.K. Dobbins. I love his talent. Coming out of school, he was my running back, too. Very excited about him in this offense in 2021 and on. But while Mark Ingram's there in 2021, I'm going – or, sorry, 2020, I'm going to stick with Mark Ingram and stay away from Jobbins and redraft. The offensive coordinator of the Ravens, Greg Roman, he's had three running backs that he's worked with for, like, the last 10 years of his coaching career. It's been Frank Gore with San Francisco – uh, and then he went to Buffalo with LaShawn McCoy, who was also aging at that time. And then Mark Ingram last year. So he's used to these vets. He's comfortable with them. Uh, San Francisco drafted two second-round running backs while Greg Roman was there with Frank Gore still there. And they just let them kind of chill out while Frank Gore still had his normal workload. They didn't care. They, they spent a second-round pick on a running back. It was the vet gets – all gets his normal workload. So in San Francisco, remember LaMichael James? He was a second-round pick. And he, he never, yeah, and he never did anything. Yeah, he never <laughs> did anything. Uh, Frank Gore just kept doing his thing, and then Michael James just kind of did absolutely nothing. And then later on in Frank Gore's career in San Francisco, Carlos Hyde got drafted in the second round. And in Carlos Hyde's rookie season, he had a few carries. You know, he was a little bit involved, but Frank Gore still had his 
full workload. And it wasn't until Gore left and Greg Roman left that Carlos Hyde got to finally, you know, start playing in San Francisco. So I do think this is the Mark Ingram show in 2020, but the contract Ingram's contract shows that he could be let go in 2021 pretty easily. They could save money and move on to JK Dobbins. And I think that's what would happen. So really like Dobbins in dynasty formats, not so much in redraft. That's a good point. Especially when we talk about the running back position, we shown over the years, they just, people just don't pay running backs, especially when we talk about David Johnson and Todd Gurley. Uh, But no, it's a good point. You, and you mentioned earlier about Hollywood Brown and you mentioned about the receiving core. I mean that, you know, it's technically in my opinion going to be led by Mark Andrews. And, you know, even though Hollywood Brown was good when he wasn't hurt, uh, I still, I don't have the confidence in him to be an explosive number one receiver. And I think if you look at that, after that, who, Willie Sneed, he doesn't really, you know, breathe excitement into me. Yeah. He's not, right? He's not out there playing <laughs> with Marquez Colson and Michael Thomas. So, yeah. it, you know, it's not going to happen for him here. So, I mean, can you think that – is it a stretch to say Mark Andrews can be like the Travis Kelsey of the Baltimore Ravens? Oh, absolutely. I think that's exactly my same thought process. So Mark Andrews is actually my tight end three right now in fantasy. And I would not be surprised at all if he jumped Kittle, probably not Kelsey, that's probably not going to happen. But I I am really high on Mark Andrews this year. And then you you talk about Hollywood Brown, he could (laughs) be used as a Tyreek Hill type player. So it's almost similar offense in that way where you have your, your two top threats there with your speedster that just you know, really athletic, can do great things with the ball in their hands. And then you're a great elite tight end. And I actually do think the the wide receivers that they drafted last year and this year are pretty good for Baltimore. I was very high in Devin DuVernay from Texas, and James Prochet was one of my sleepers. So I like who they added in the draft. And then Miles Boykin's still there from last year. That's they have true. a lot of good young pieces. They just all have to develop. We'll see if that can all happen quickly without an offseason in 2020. Uh, but I, I still think Mark Andrews is going to carry that offense, like you said, and be maybe the lead target guy in Baltimore. Yeah, I think so, too. And, and you may not believe this. It's so funny because, obviously, when we do these shows, we write down notes and we, and we jot things down. Before the first take of this show, <laughs> I literally said to myself that I was going to mention that I thought – John Harbaugh had the Baltimore Ravens set up just like the Kansas City Chiefs. And I never wrote it down. And then you basically said exactly what I was thinking. We were so on the same page, it's scary sometimes. (laughs) Uh, But I think it's going to change when we get down to some other receivers. But, no, listen, I I think they're very exciting for, you know, a a dynasty format because you just don't know what they're going to do. But, listen, Mark Andrews, uh, number three – I'm with you because I'm in Zach Ertz country here, and I don't think Zach Ertz is the guy that everybody thinks he is. And a lot of people pick him to be the number three tight end, and I think it's Mark Andrews. I, I definitely do. Uh, I think, you know, obviously it's Kelsey to me, Kittle, and then Andrews, and then Ertz. So I think we're right on with that. But then we have to go to the Cleveland Browns, and this is one of the most – intriguing teams to me because I was burnt by Baker Mayfield last year. Mm -hmm. I was the guy who drafted Baker as my starter, uh, you know, and I drafted Matt Stafford as my backup. So I, I, you know, it was killing me. I I thought Baker was going to have a tremendous year. How could he not with Beckham out there? How could he not with Jarvis Landry? How could he not with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt coming back in week eight? Like everything just fell into place and it just didn't happen. 
this year. They have Kevin Stefanski out there. There's a different coaching staff. Can Baker turn it around and be fantasy relevant and basically be the 2019 expectation of Baker Mayfield in 2020? What do you think? So not for fantasy. I think he's going to turn it around and be a very good NFL quarterback. I don't think he's going to be a good fantasy quarterback. He doesn't have that mobility that I love so much to draft in. And then, like you brought up, Kevin Stefanski. I think it's going to be a very, very heavy run team. Like if we're going to talk about Baltimore rushing the ball so many times, maybe they lead the NFL and rushing again. I think Cleveland could be number two. Like I just think they're going to run, run, run with Hunt and uh, Chubb there. They have two great running backs. They have two like legit elite star running backs that could do their own thing on separate teams. We've already seen it. And now they're together. Kevin Stefanski is probably in heaven right now. So <laughs> Baker, Baker's my boy. He's, I, I have a puppy. He's a year and a half years old. And I named him after Baker Mayfield. I love, I actually oh, love nice. I like that. I love the Cleveland Browns. I used to live in Cleveland. I have a, my heart. I have a little piece of my heart for them, but at the same time, I'm not touching Baker in fantasy. I wasn't touching him last year. So, like, I, as much as I loved him and I named my dog after him, I just – he's not the type of fantasy quarterback I want. I don't see 4,500 passing yards in his realm of possibility for next year, especially under Kevin Stefanski. And then he doesn't have the rushing ability. He would have to throw, like, 36 touchdowns plus to be decent for – like, to be solid for fantasy every week. No, no, I completely agree with you. It's funny that you say you're Cleveland at heart, you named it their Baker. I mean, l- listen, the last fancy relevant quarterback was what Bernie Kosar in Cleveland. So, <laughs> right. So, it, it, Baker has to be somewhat decent for these Cleveland Brown fans. But you mentioned their running attack, and I think it's very intriguing because Nick Chubb is all over the map. And, and I know my buddy Mark Tromeller loves Nick Chubb. I actually talked about putting him in, in his top five, which I disagree with. I still think he's in the top 10, maybe between 10 and 12. But there's been a lot of preseason hype about this guy from a, a unique offseason to where we haven't been able to really see much. But what we do know is this guy's in tremendous shape. He's running 4.340s. And, you know, he, he's pumping a lot of iron. He is ready to take the rock. So how much do you think? Because last year he almost close to 1,500 yards and five yards per carry, actually 75% of his yards at the first contact, which is second to see, uh, Christian McCaffrey. Can Kareem Hunt make that a, a complete split out there, or is Chubb still going to get enough to be your running back one? I still think Chubb will get enough to be a running back one. I do disagree, just like you do, that he he probably doesn't have top five potential. He's just not involved in the passing game enough, and you need yep. those targets to be a top five running back but I do still think running back 10 to 12 is very possible and that's pretty much where he should land if he plays most of his games last year he was still getting a ton a ton of touches with Hunt in the game he was still on pace for over 300 touches in the games Hunt was playing so from weeks 10 through 17 he was still on a 16 game pace for over 300 touches and 1600 total yards so he, he was still killing it with Hunt it's just his his targets definitely went down, so you're not going to get as many PPR points. I totally see that. But the big reason between his splits between when Hunt was there and wasn't there is he wasn't scoring touchdowns when Hunt got there, and it had nothing to do with Hunt at all. He was still getting all of the goal line carries. I don't even think Hunt got one carry inside the five-yard line, if I'm correct. So Chubb was still getting them all. He just couldn't get in for whatever reason. But we know Chubb is talented. We know 
he couldn't get in, not because of him. I think it was a lot because of the line. Yep. And now they added two new tackles. That should be a huge upgrade to the offensive line. Jack Conklin from Tennessee, one of the best tackles in the league. And then they added an early first-round tackle, Jedrick Wills, who I think fell in that draft. And I was really excited that Cleveland got him. I, I think that's a massive upgrade, not only for the run game, but for Baker as well. That's why I think Baker will do better as an NFL quarterback, just not – for fantasy still, and that's okay. I mean, the Browns fans should just be excited that their team is going to be good. Like, I, I think they're going to be a good team all, to, that, all around. I agree with you. I, I do. I think they're looking up, and I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility to say that maybe Chubb and Hunt can be Ingram and Kamar in the sense that, I mean, listen, they both can be fantasy relevant, especially if you, you know, as a flex role for a guy like Kareem Hunt. So I think it's huge. And now we bring the charismatic OBJ. Can Odell Beckham Jr., will he ever be that first-round wide receiver again? Will he ever be in that top five again? Or have we seen that pass and he's just going to be in that – Next slot, maybe 10 to 40, where we know there's about 30 receivers that are about 20 fantasy points apart. I mean, can he ever be that guy again? Yeah, I, I, I think he can be, but not in 2020, right? But, so he's going to have to go to a different offense or, you know, the Cleveland Browns offense is just going to have to change. Kevin Stefanski, I really believe it's just going to be so much running that it's going to hurt the whole passing <laughs> game for all of the – all the fantasy assets that we're hoping to succeed. And then you add in Austin Hooper, who should steal some targets. You add in a full year of Hunt. Like, I just don't know if there's enough to go around with how limited, you know, are they, how much are they going to actually pass? I think their defense can be decent. I don't know if there's enough for OBJ to be a top 12 wide receiver. Right now I have him at 20. And even then I'm like, Ugh. like, I don't know if I want him especially at his price. Like it's just not low enough for me because of the, the, his name will never make him low enough in price. He's always going to go early because of that Odell Beckham Jr. name. I'm going to stay away. He would need a lot of touchdowns, like a lot, like double-digit touchdowns to be a top 12 wide receiver next year, I think. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't. I agree with you. I mean, even a guy like Jarvis, Jarvis Landry is a PPR machine. Yeah. I don't even know if he's going to get I me. Mean, Austin Hooper got ridiculous money, which is, uh, I mean, for a tight end, it, to me, is beyond crazy. But, uh, you know, you, you make a good point. I mean, th there's so many mouths to feed out there in Cleveland. I just don't know if it's possible. Again, speaking of uh, Michelle Magic from the, the Ball, uh, Ball Blast podcast and ballblastfootball.com, and now we're going to look at the Cincinnati Bengals. And the reason why I think it's interesting, you wrote an article, right, uh, how to spot a top five running back and why. And let's get right into the Joe Mixon talk because I've seen a lot of prognosticators out there talk about Joe Mixon, the top seven running back. Uh, you know, he's a guy who's had 280 and 313 touches over the last two years. I think you have a really interesting theory behind the, the analytics of Joe Mixon. So please elaborate on this and let me know if he's a top seven running back this year. Yeah, so I'll just come on straight out with no, no <laughs> one guessing what I'm going to say. He's not. He's not a top seven, and he's definitely not top five. So some people are out there are saying he could be a top five running back, which hopefully his ceiling is that. If he, His ADP right now is running back seven. If you're taking a running back seven, you have to assume his ceiling is above that. And I don't even think his ceiling is seven or maybe even eight or nine. I agree. So when we're looking at – 
breakout running backs that go up into that top five range. We're looking at guys who haven't had a full workload yet. Or we're looking at guys who have already been top five. It's either you or Pete, or it's someone who hasn't had the chance to have that full workload yet. But when they have had touches, they've been very successful on those touches like in terms of fantasy points. So I went back all the way from 2008, 2008 to 2019. I looked at the top five running backs in PPR each of those years. And from 2008 to 2019, we've had 33 different top five running backs. Now, we've had 60 spots in those years because we have 12, wow. 12 years. So only 33 different ones. That means a lot of the times running backs repeat. If you've done it once, you're likely to do it again. So that's a, that's a good way to look at it. But let's look at these 33 different top five running backs and when they did it in their career the first time. So 26 of the 33 running backs were top five running backs in their very first season with a full work left. So it doesn't mean their rookie season, even though most of them were first or second year players, but it was the first year they've had a full work lab. So they weren't splitting it. They were the main back, right? Then, so 26 out of 33, and then three more of them, so we get to 29 now, did it in their second season with a full workload. Not a single one of those top five running backs needed until their fourth season when they've had a full workload this whole time to finally break out. It didn't happen. We know who they are within their first year with a full workload and at max with their second year with a full, full workload. They show us who they are in fantasy and it doesn't magically change unless they change teams. And even then the players who changed teams and became top five running backs, it was only because in their previous team, they didn't see that full workload. It wasn't like, Oh, I'm just in a better situation now and I'm better. It's just players. Some players score fantasy points often and some don't. And it's not to say Mixon's a bad fantasy running back whatsoever. He's still top 15, top 10. He's had good moments. It's just he doesn't have that top five ceiling. He has had a crazy workload the last two years. Like you brought up, 280 carries in 2018, 313 carries in 2019. And last year he was a running back 13. <laughs> with. I think he had top five touches in the NFL, and it was just the running back 13. And that's because he played 16 games. He was the running back 19 in fantasy points per game. So running back 13 actually makes him look much better than he was. If he's getting that many touches, you expect him to be – if you have top six touches, you should be a top six running back. Like That's – that's what you should be doing. And then, yeah, he, in 2018, he had a little bit better season as a running back 10. But again, he was top six in touches. Why are you only running back 10? I feel like that's a ceiling there. Is that running back 10 with what he did in 2018? Yeah, listen, that, that, that is great data because it all makes sense when you, you talk about he out-touched Aaron Jones last year by two and a half touches per game, and Aaron Jones doubled his touchdown total. So yeah. it's exactly what you said. And what I what I will ask because the, the kid the kid is talented. Obviously, last year the Cincinnati Bengals were a mess. They they you know the Andy Dalton saga, right? The Zach Taylor's first year, no AJ Green. Do you give him a mulligan? I, I you know, and I, I get it. I know the workload, but do you give him a mulligan last year and say, you know what? I'm not really going to worry about last year. Let's give him a new start. We're acting like last year didn't happen, and we're just going to blame it on the scenario that he was in. Or do you think he definitely has already hit his ceiling, and it's not going to be top seven no matter what? I'm not giving him that benefit of the doubt because there's 
I mean, my date is from 2008. There's been other running backs in wow. bad situations, and they didn't change once they just added a couple pieces to the line or they got it. Like, teams add better players, you know? They don't just stay – they don't just try to stay terrible anyway. Some do. <laughs> but some actually stay terrible, but they all try to get better. We've seen running backs in terrible situations just last year. Leonard Fournette. Like, how is that situation any better than Cincinnati? And – he was a top eight running back. What, and so why was Mixon top 13, top 19 in fantasy points per game? Christian McCaffrey, you could say, was in one of the worst situations. And he's, he had the most historical year for fantasy football. So, like, why are we acting like Kyle Allen? That was not a good offensive line. And then, yeah, okay, he had DJ Moore on the outside. But why are we acting like that's such a great team? It, it wasn't. It was a terrible situation. True. And when you are in those terrible situations and those terrible teams who need pass catchers, like Cincinnati so badly needed a wide receiver last year or more pass catchers. They didn't even have a tight end. And Mixon still only got 45 targets. That's when you see running backs get more targets when they desperately need you. And Mixon still wasn't using that way at all. So why, are, why now that they add all these pass catchers, he's going to be more involved? Like He's not. No, you, no, you're you're absolutely right. That makes a great point. But just don't forget, in Carolina, they got the fancy whisperer out there in North Turner. So that's <laughs> one of the big reasons. But now, but now you're absolutely right. I mean, Christian McCaffrey couldn't have been in a worse scenario last year. Uh, they had absolutely nobody out there, and yeah. he still, like you said, historical season. So it makes me think. 32-year-old A.J. Green, you mentioned pass catchers on this team, and we understand, again, preface this by saying it's a unique offseason. Uh, with COVID-19, these players really haven't been able to work out as much as we would like. We, we, our job is harder. We don't have a ton of information, so we have to go on a backlog of data. We look at A.J. Green. We know what he was. We know what he can be. But at 32, we still don't know. Is he recovered from the ankle injury? He, he hasn't had a year under Zach Taylor yet. And he has a rookie quarterback in Joe Barrow. As much as you and I both like Joe Barrow, does, what is that bowl for A.J. Green? Can he be that guy anymore? Or is it going to have to be on another team? So I, I think you said it perfectly. It's that those three things all together, why I'm staying away. It's just, it's too much to overcome. I think he could possibly do it. AJ Green is a fantastic talent, but you have to be worried about his age. If he can stay healthy, because it's been so long. Uh, if he's even motivated enough that he's working with his teammates right now, like I'm sure he's working so hard on himself, but you know, he's not happy to play on the tag. He wants that extension. Is he practicing with Burrow? And the biggest thing, like you mentioned, is now he's with Burrow, with a rookie quarterback, and wide receivers historically are just really not good with rookie quarterbacks, at least in fantasy. So I'm not excited about AJ Green. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna like stay away from him and go with someone else, anyone else really. And if I if I miss on him, I miss on him. I'll be happy for him. AJ Green's always a fun player to watch. I hope he can stay healthy. I'll just be happy for him, but he's not going to be on my fantasy team. Hey, listen, I, I completely agree. There's some guys that you kind of just stay away from. And, you know, we mentioned this on, on, on the last because I'm a big – you weren't a part of this conversation, but I'm a huge Dalvin Cook guy. Actually, he's my – to me, my number two rated fantasy uh, football running back this year. And mm -hmm. a lot of people said to me – I got a lot of Twitter heat from it because of the contract situation. We're not going to touch on – listen – it's too early to me to worry about contract situations, but 
same thing. I mean, if you deal with a guy who has a contract issue a month before the season, I got burnt by Melvin Gordon last year. I really thought it was going to be okay, and it wasn't. And it's really hard to recover, especially a guy like Dalvin Cook in your first-round pick. A.J. Green the same way. People are going to draft A.J. Green as their number one receiver. I mean, because depending on their draft strategy, that's what they're going to do. And you yeah. can get burnt by that really easily. You can. And especially, yeah, watch out with Dalvin Cook. I yes. was, I won a lot of leagues because I picked Austin Eckler in uh, Oklahoma. I was, I was, you know, I learned from Le'Veon Bell. I, actually, I took James Conner in all the leagues that year. So I've really worked out from these holdouts. I uh, might have to, I might have to start eyeing Alexander Madison and going to get him in some places. Oh, uh, man. Well, I'm not letting you know if I take Dalvin Cook because you're like bad juju over there. <laughs> no pun intended. But so let me ask you something that we, we broke down these four teams, but I wanted to get your opinion on a couple things. Number one, and I and I would love this conversation to be great. I want to have you back on so we could do the NFC North as as well as you accept the invitation. But I've been getting a lot of Twitter here for Tom Brady. I'm a huge Tom Brady guy. I think this year he's my number five quarterback, and everybody tells me I'm nuts. No <laughs> he's way, my right? Number six, so so I'm so, uh, so I'm not crazy, right? They're like, not crazy. I mean, I just look at the talent. I mean, Mike Mike Evans can have a a, a, he can have a Randy Moss type year, in my opinion. Is yeah. and Chris Godwin, and, you know, and then you you bring back Gronk, uh, you know, and, and Bruce Arians. Or let's not forget what Bruce Arians did with Carson Palmer and Kurt Warner late of his career. So, I mean, I'm feeling the love for Tom Brady. I really. And you am. didn't even bring up the two. Like, I know they weren't used last year, and I know yep. Bruce Arians doesn't use tight ends, but OJ Howard and Cam. I could see Cameron Bray like being Tom Brady's man. Yeah. Like, I could just see that happening, and then. Tyler Johnson, who they drafted this year in the fifth, but he's a second-round talent for whatever reason he dropped. And uh, that team is stacked. I love Keyshawn Vaughn, and I think he can be used as a pass catcher as well. Tampa Bay is looking up. We'll see with this offseason how much work have they got to do together. But Tom Brady's such a vet. I trust him. He's going to make it happen. I I love him this year. And if we're – Everyone that I have in my top seven-ish, top eight, are mobile quarterbacks, right? Besides Tom Brady. Tom. Like I'm counting Mahomes as a mobile quarterback. He can still get his rushing yards to help you there. Besides Tom Brady, he's my six. I'm, I'm loving him this year. I think he can throw for 5,000 yards. I really I'm with do. You. I'm with you. I, can, I completely agree. I, I'm, I'm excited to watch Tom Brady play and it's a Bay Buccaneers from a fantasy perspective. So let me put you on the spot and ask you, and we could go anywhere. We're all, every conference is fair game here. If I <laughs> ask you one player that's not talked enough about and, you know, who's kind of underrated and one player that's been talked way overhyped over the last, who, who, who would you put on that list? Just give me a couple names maybe that we can look at, look for and look for to avoid. So the most underrated player, I think, in the entire draft for Dynasty or for Redraft is DJ Chark. He is going way too late. I, I think he should be a third-round guy, and he's going in, like, the sixth, fifth at the earliest. I, I think he's being way overlooked. Last year, he was the wide receiver eight from weeks one through 14. That's when he was healthy. He hurt his ankle in week 14. He was in a walking boot on a scooter. He missed week 15. And then he tried to come back in week 16 and 17, and that was clearly a mistake. He was towards the top of the league and avoided tackles after the catch. And he, in week 1 through 14, he, had a, you know, he was towards the top of the league. And then in week 15 – no, he missed week 15. Week 16 and 17, he didn't 
avoid another tackle after the catch. So you can clearly see that his ankle was killing him. He probably yep. couldn't separate as well. He was really bad in those games. But that's why I'm just looking at the healthy games. Like 14 weeks is a large sample size. And I, I'm going to take that. And when he's a wide receiver eight in his first year actually getting a shot, like his rookie season, I'm just throwing away. I think that's okay. With wide receivers, we see that happen often. They're not like running backs. It, it takes a second. He's a monster of a man. Six foot four, over 200 pounds. He ran like a 4-3-3 at the combine. He is just a stud. And I, I expect him to keep growing in this league. And I'm not even so much worried about his quarterback situation. I think Minshew's good enough. And maybe he doesn't work out. But then maybe Trevor Lawrence is there in 2021. You know what I'm saying? But uh, yeah, you never know. <laughs> we already saw him succeed with Minshew as a rookie and with Nick Foles, who I don't, I personally do not think he's anything special as a quarterback. So I'm very excited for DJ Chark. And another person I want to throw in there really quick that's being hated on is Michael Gallup. Oh. Michael Gallup, why is he going so late? I get that they took CeeDee Lamb. He's my rookie wide receiver one. Very excited for him as well. But it's going to take time for him to get acclimated to that offense. Randall Cobb had 80-plus targets in that offense last year. Like, I think those could just go over to CeeDee Lamb. Jason Witten left. Those are a lot of vacated targets. Michael Gallup's still going to be the guy there across from uh, Amari Cooper. And he's fantastic in fantasy. He was so good last year. But there's no reason he's going in the seventh round at all in in redraft, I will be all over Michael Gallup. He'll be on every single one of my teams. I love Michael Gallup because Amari Cooper disappears. I yeah. mean, as much as he's good, he just disappears in games. And, and Gallup has a, a great rapport with Dak Prescott. So I, I can play. It's hard for me as a Philly guy to talk about the Cowboys, but I, I got to give love where it's due. And, and DJ Chark, you mentioned how much of a, a you know, athletic freak he is. And, and I, I think we mentioned this earlier. It's like you take an Allen Robinson away and he goes to Chicago and then you just replace him with a DJ Chark. I mean, how lucky can you be? And Minshew showed he can get him the ball. If you give Minshew time and he is mobile, that he can move around. And as long as him and Chark continue on that same pace, stay healthy, I could definitely see him. He's going to pay a lot of dividends in fantasy. Yeah, he really he's is. not scared to sling it. Love it. No, he's definitely not. Well, Michelle, listen, I, I, I have to really appreciate you coming on again in one night, okay, just so everybody knows <laughs> for the first time in my history. I don't know what happened, but I, I really, really appreciate it. Please let everybody know where they can find you, give me your information. Yeah, so most of my – I put most of my information, most of my research into threads on Twitter, and you can find that at BallBlastM, BallBlastEM on Twitter again. And then also we post articles, all of us together at the Ball Blast group. We have a few writers. My wife and I run Ball Blast brand. Uh, but we post all the information on BallBlastFootball.com. And then my wife and I host a podcast together that we, we normally have about one episode a week. But you can find that Ball Blast Football fantasy football podcast ball blast is one word by the way when you're searching it but you can find it on itunes spotify iHeartRadio, really anywhere you want you listen to podcasts uh if you can't find it just let us know oh and also we do host a live stream every thursday night normally it's at 9 p.m tomorrow it's at 7 p.m and oh, you might be listening to this afterwards but you can go back <laughs> on youtube and listen to us we're having liz loza on and stepmom lauren if anyone oh, nice. um, is familiar with their work so that will be a fun one we'll just be drinking and talking fantasy <laughs> football so if you miss that go on youtube and watch the replay 
Oh, that's beautiful. I, I Again, I really appreciate it. And for everybody out there, again, Fox Sports, The Gambler, com, Heat Ratio Sports, it'll be on all the networks. Michelle, we're going to have you on again as long as you comply this and make sure it records the first time <laughs> around, right? I would maybe go over to NFC North. I'd love to have you on, too, to maybe talk about not even players, but there's so many things we can talk about, redraft leagues, best ball, dynasty, standard. I, I think a lot of people don't even know the differences. And maybe we could just have a whole episode about what each draft does, different strategies. I, I mean, I think me and you could talk for hours. So I really I play them all. That's yeah, so saying, cool. I, I did my first best ball draft last year, and I loved it. I, I really did. I, I think that's like all I want to do anymore. Just set it and forget it and be yeah. done. I, you know it's what I mean? the best way to do mock drafts. So <laughs> nice. I, I use them as my mock drafts because they're real leagues. Like you put a couple dollars down on them, do a mock draft, and then look at them at the end of the year and see what money you want. They, they really are exciting. So once again, I want to thank Michelle. What a blast it has been. Follower at Ball Blast EM. And for Tony Jigsaw Cotillo at TCatillo23, you have listened to the Fantasy Firebox episode number four. And we will be back next week with more breakdowns. And everybody stay safe, stay healthy, and we will see you next time.